So uh, today is the first Sunday in the season called Advent. And some of you guys grew up with that, some of you guys didn't. But uh, basically, Advent is a word that means uh, arrival or kind of the initial kind of opening up of. And so it's that season that we're looking forward to just celebrating Jesus's arrival at Christmas. And so uh, if you've worshiped with us in the past here at Christ Church, you know that we take time in our service to light uh, four candles as we get to the four uh four Sundays that are prior to Christmas, just to remind us that, that Christmas is coming, but also to remind us, and I hope you guys will kind of take this in, I, I try and bring it out, but to remind us, you know, there's a lot that's going on during Christmas. There's a lot of crazy, there's a lot of parties, there's a lot of buying stuff for, and gifts and last minute shopping and all that. But one thing that we, we wanna make sure that we don't get just so distracted by all that that we forget what Christmas is really about. And so each time when we come together, we try to focus on that. And so um, like Diana was saying, each of these uh, candles, it has a theme. Each week has a theme. And this week, the theme is hope. And so we're going to be talking about hope today. So um, what is hope? You know, what is hope? Hope is basically is that, that, that sense that you get that something better is on its way, something better than what you currently see or something better than what you currently experience. Right, that's, that's hope. So how many of you guys could use maybe a little bit of hope in your life, right? <laughs> right now? How many of you guys look around our world and say, you know, I think that our world could use a whole lot of hope right now? That maybe a sense that something better is on its way. Well, Romans 5, 15, 13 calls our God the God of hope who fills us with this peace and joy through the power of his Holy Spirit so that we might abound in hope, that we might overflow in this world with hope, because a lot of people walk around in, in kind of a hopelessness. And Christmas is one of those seasons where it's a season of, of hope. You know, earlier, uh, I just thank the Thurbers for, they read out of a passage in Isaiah 59, and Isaiah 59 is a message of hope. I want us to stand. We're gonna look at some, uh, some of what they read, but also some passages that are around it. I'm gonna read verses eight and nine, verses 15 and 16, and then verses, uh, verse 21. My people do not know the path of peace, and there is no justice in the ways that they walk. They have made their pathways crooked, and whoever walks on them doesn't experience peace. Instead, justice is far from us, and righteousness doesn't ever come near. We hope for light, but behold only darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. And the Lord saw, and it was not good in his eyes that there was no justice. It astonished him that there was no one intervening. So his own arm brought salvation to them, and his own righteousness upheld them. As for me, this is God speaking, as for me, my covenant with, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit, which is upon you, and my words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. Amen? You know, sometimes we look around our world, and we're looking for light, and we may not find a whole lot of it. Sometimes we look in our lives, and we look for light, and we're not gonna, we may not find a lot of it. Sometimes God looks around this world, and he doesn't, find a whole lot of light. He doesn't find a whole lot of 
intervention where there should be intervention. The confidence that we have, the hope that we have is that he said, you know what, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay to just leave it that way. Christmas is actually the story about how God, when he looked and he didn't see any light, he brought his own, right? He brought his own so that he might save us and rescue us in spite of the darkness that we were in. We were in. And so when darkness lo- looms, our hope is this. Our hope rejoices that our God is the God who is constantly, he is constantly at work bringing something and promising something that's better. Amen? How many of you guys could use a little hope in your life? Today's message is titled, Hope, the Expectation of Victory. Father, we want to thank you because that is our expectation. That's our hope. Hope isn't just this wishful thought. Hope is a, an expectation you have promised and you will bring it. And God, you have made incredible promises to us. You have made promises for this life and for the life to come. You've made promises for while we remain in this body and we struggle against even against ourselves at times and our own brokenness. And you've made promises for that day when you clothe us in in the very glory of heaven. God, you have made promises and in that we hope. And not only did you make promises, but you sealed it. You sealed those promises with this exclamation point. And it started at Christmas when Jesus came. And he was born and he lived among us. And he did those things that we could not do so that we might be brought into, the doors might be opened up to this life that you intended for us. Your intention, your loving intention for us from the beginning, from before time began. So Father, we thank you that we have a confident hope in you. Speak to us this morning. Show us your word. Seal it deeply in our hearts. Plant it so it becomes like a seed that then bears fruit in our lives, in our minds, in our lives of anxiety and chaos and just crazy. Father, plant this peace, this grace, this hope. We pray these things for your glory, Father, because this is what you have intended. We pray these things in the name of Jesus because this is what he has done for us. In the power of your spirit who works all these things in us. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So when I was uh, little, when I was a child, I used to hope for a lot of things at Christmas. I remember, uh, I still remember hoping that Santa was somehow, I didn't tell anybody I wanted this, but I hoped that Santa would remember this, um, that he would get me those sea monkeys. Do you guys remember those? That used to be advertised at the back of, uh, at the back of comic books. I, I was hoping that God would you know, somehow put that in Santa's ear and some Christmas I might get that. I, I was hoping, I remember hoping that my dad would like the gift that I got him that one year where I didn't ask anybody for any help getting it. I just, you know, I, I liked it. So I, I, I hoped, you know, maybe he'd like it too. I remember hoping, you know, that, uh, that maybe this Christmas we'd get to go back down to our, our, uh, our cousin's house and, and to be able to see them during the Christmas season. They lived in North Carolina. We were up in Illinois, but every once in a while, we got to go down there. I remember hoping, you know, hoping for things like snow in the winter so that we'd be able to sled and build snow forts. You know, and we, we use that word kind of in the same way as even though we're not children, we say, you know, I hope, right? I hope I get what I want for Christmas. I hope, um, I hope to see you at the Christmas party, right? I, I hope things are going well for you and your family. 
I hope that uh, maybe you get that job that you want. But we look at those things and the reality is, is that those aren't really what God was talking about when he was talking about being the God of hope. You know, those are like mild hopes, but there are these other things that we hope for. What about those things that we hope for that are deeper, right? Those things that, that we really don't have any control over. We don't have any influence on, but they're vital to us. What about hope in the midst, hope in the face of like a grave illness? What are our hopes then? We don't really, we can't control it, but we have hopes. What about, what are, what about our hopes for people who are, are miles away who seem to be locked in this conflict that's gone on for generations and there doesn't seem to be any kind of end to it in sight. What about our hopes for that? What do we do with our hopes for um, a world that seems far from God? A world that not only seems far from God, but seems to be wandering further and further from God all the time. What about when I look at my life and I see that I'm wandering from God as well? I seem to be far from God. I seem to be wandering further and further from his peace and from his purposes. Those are the hopes. That's when we, we definitely need a vision for something that's better than what we currently experience, right? But we need someone that can bring it about. That's when we need something that's better, that we can know is on its way, and not just know it as a possibility, but we want to know it as a promise, don't we? We don't wanna know these hopes as a possibility. We want to know them as a promise. That's one of the things about the hope that the Bible talks about, the hope that God says that we can have. This hope has a confidence to it. It has a certainty to it because it's not just a possibility. It's not just an, an imagination. It's actually, it's a promise that God makes to us. You know, when, when crisis looms in our life, our imaginations start going wild, right? And they start imagining all these things. They imagine places we could be other than here. They imagine ways we could get out of here to that other place. They imagine all these things, and, and we call it hope. But even though we call it hope, it could, be, it could be something else. It could be a false hope. It could be just a delusion, right? It could be wishful thinking. We all know that kind of a false hope, don't we? where we, we hope for something, we say that we hope for something, but that something is really not even possible. We haven't really taken into account what's real. It's just a fantasy, right? There are times that we do this in life. There are times, you know, we watch a sitcom on TV and, and they resolve all their issues in about five seconds. And usually it turns on this one statement that's made, right? So they have this kind of builds, 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 and they have this confrontation. And one person lays out this line and everything fades away. And we hope that that'll work in real life. How many of you guys have ever had that work in a real situation with a real relationship? Anybody? No, no, no. Sometimes we think, you know, all my responsibilities, my pain in this life, they're too much. And so I hope that if I just numb them somehow, if I just watch enough TV, if I just drink enough so that I don't feel things, if I just take enough maybe of these medications, or maybe if I just do something to distract myself, maybe they'll go away. How many of you guys have ever had that work? Right? But we call it hope. We hope that it'll work but it's really just a delusion. Sometimes we call things hope that are really just our intention to work for something we know is in our grasp. We say, well, I'm hoping for this. And all it really means is I'm going to do the work to get to this place because I know it's a pretty good probability that I can grab hold of it if I'll put the time and the effort into it. And we call that a hope. And it, it kind of is, but the, the hope that the Bible's talking about 
it is this thing that is out of our grasp. It's something that's so far beyond us that we, we really don't have any hope. The Bible says in hope against hope, sometimes we believe, right? And it says that these things are beyond our grasp, but really this hope is talking about this expectation that God will bring about what he has promised. God will bring about and do what he has said. And he'll do it no matter what it looks like is going on around me no matter whether I can figure out in my own head how he's going to pull this off, if he has said that he is going to do it, that he will do it. And so hope is when I wait, I wait for God to work the promises that I know he desires to do, that he is able to do, and that he said he is going to do in my life, in me and through me. Now, it's not that it's passive waiting, I understand that, but hope is the expectation, it's that that waiting expectation and expectation of God's victory in my life. So again, I'd say, how many of us could use more hope in our lives, right? All of us, every day, right? You know, in Isaiah 59, Isaiah is looking around and he sees a pretty dismal picture of what's going on in his day. He says that justice is far from the poor. The poor are actually being oppressed and and it's because no one is aligning to God's words and God's ways. No one is framing their mind with his thoughts. Um, it, the people walk in and they make decisions in and they even make laws for the land in the midst of this darkness and this chaos because they have they departed from God's light, from the, the light that he shed about just saying, this is, if you wanna find the life I intended, walk this way. And instead, they, they decided to choose their own ways, and their ways became crooked. It says that their, the words that they spoke, they just became lies. They became lies that actually made matters worse instead of making them better. And they found that there was only greed, there was fear, there was violence, there was destruction, there was this selfishness. And they, they pursued this futile pursuit of trying to take things that are worthless and making them into things that are worthwhile. And through Isaiah, God said, that's just not gonna happen. And it says that this is what Isaiah saw in his day, but what's interesting is if you read Romans 3, it sounds like that's what Paul saw in his day. If you read in Psalms 10, 14, 36, 140, (laughs) and on, it seems like that's what David saw in his day, right? It's what God saw in Noah's day before he sent the flood. It's what the angels saw in Abram's day just before Sodom and Gomorrah were wiped out. It's what... I would say even we probably look around and we see in our day where we look for light and yet we behold a lot of darkness. Isaiah 59.2 says that the reality of this is is that our sin is what has separated us from our God, that, that even the, the broken ways that we think and the broken ways that we live because of the broken ways that we think, they have made such a separation between us and our God that many times God can't even answer our prayers. It's not that he can't hear us, but he cannot answer our prayers because they are so far off. We're asking for things that are so far off from anything that he has any intention of doing, any desire to do. Any, he knows that the things that we're asking for won't bring peace, but they'll just bring more chaos. And as a result, in Isaiah 59, in verse 14, it says, therefore, justice is nowhere to be found. Righteousness is far away. Truth is stumbled in the streets. An upright, an upright life isn't even allowed to enter the room. So how, 
How are we supposed to hope when that's what we see and that's what Isaiah gets into? Because hope is not, how do we hope in that? Well, we hope, we can hope because hope isn't based on what we see, right? Hope isn't based on what we, hope is what we, is based on what we believe will be and can be because of what God has promised. So hope really is dependent. It's not based on two things. It's based on the reality of something that's promised and then the reliability on the one who promised it, right? Now, you guys know that um, you know, every four years, we go into this cycle and we're, we're about to enter into that and we're gonna hear a whole bunch of people that are gonna make a whole bunch of promises to us, right? You know what I'm talking about. Right? And then November, we're going to go to the ballot boxes and we're going, to, we're going to vote in the people that we believe have made the promises that we believe might have the most reality to them, that they might actually be able to pull these things off and that they're, we're going to vote for the people that we hope are the type of people that will actually bring about what they promise. So even, even, our, even our political system seems to be built on hope, doesn't it? That's what we hope for. What about God? What does he promise? In Isaiah 65 and 66, in Revelation 20 and 21, he, he promised this brand new world. He promised there is a world that is on its way. And it's a world where there's no more death, there's no more sadness, there's no more sorrow, there's no more grave, there's no more sickness, where death and sorrow have been removed, where joy and peace become the very air that we breathe. It says where righteousness covers the, the land as the waters cover the sea. God promised a salvation that would reach into the depths of us as individuals and heal us. A, a, a salvation that would reach into that vast network of our relationships and restore them. That would even push out into the very creation and renew the whole thing. That's his promise. And then in Isaiah 59, it says we're given this picture of him as he begins to act, as he begins to make that move to bring this promise to pass. So it says Isaiah 59, where it says that he wasn't okay. He, I want you to hear this. He wasn't okay with leaving us in the mess that he saw that we had made of his intentions, right? He wasn't okay with leaving us in the powerlessness of not having any way to do anything about it. And he wasn't okay. He wasn't okay with leaving us in the consequences of the destruction that we had brought on our own heads. Did you guys hear that? I want you to personalize it. He was not okay with leaving you in the mess that you had made of his intentions. He was not okay with leaving you in the powerlessness to do anything about it. And he was not okay with leaving you in that destruction, that consequence, the destruction that you and I, that we all had brought upon our own heads. But instead it says that he rose up like a warrior. He rose up with zeal to wrap himself, to come with wrath against all those that would stand against this, this peace and this righteousness that he had intended for us. And you guys, we just got through Ephesians 6. 
where we, we saw that when God talks about coming against his enemies, he's not talking about wiping out swaths of people. You could wipe people out all day long and you would still have, because what's behind, going on behind the scenes, he says, no, he is here to rescue his people, to rescue, to save the world. But he rises up as, against the enemies against the principalities and the powers that we read about in Ephesians, those principalities and powers that seek to kill, to steal, and destroy. And how did he do that? How did he rise up? Where did we see him rising up in all his glory? It's on Christmas morning. When he came and he took on flesh and he was born as a small baby to this young teenage mother and to this young father in this stable on the backside of some in that was too full to house them outside of this Jerusalem on the backside of a empire that didn't really care about any of it. You go, that's, a, that's an interesting way to come in, right? This baby, this child named Jesus, in Jesus we see God rising up to bring to us the fullness of his victory. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of this season this season of hope. So here's the thing. How do we know that that's, <clears throat> that's something that we should trust in? How do we know that that's not just wishful thinking? How do we know that that's just not like so many of the other stories that we, we've heard? How do we know that that's any better than that advertisement in the back about the sea monkeys, that somehow they're gonna look just like those, you know, the people that I saw in the, the picture in that advertisement? How do we know that that's any better I don't know if you guys have, have hit this yet. I'm sorry if this pops your bubbles, but sometimes politicians don't keep their promises, right? Yeah, so I don't, how do we know it's any better than that? How do we know it's any better than all the stories that we've been told would bring us salvation? The story that, man, if you'll just be this individualism, this righteous, strong independence, that will help you find the salvation and the peace you're looking for in your life. Or, or materialism, get enough stuff and you'll find the peace that you're looking for in your life. Or, or modernism, if you just think about things in a new way and mechanistically so that you can put the right pieces together. Or academia, that if you just have the right facts, it'll, how do you know? How do you know it's any better than those? How do you know it's any better than the new age or the old traditions or the idea that power or influence, that these things are gonna get you you know, the life that you've always wanted, the life that you search for, the life that you hope for. Because when we put our life, when we take up those stories again and again and again, they just fail us. The bottom drops out, the other shoe drops. We say, what makes this story different? Because some people would say nothing, right? Some people would say, this is just a fantasy. This is just a wishful thinking, just like any other. But you guys, that's the thing about, that's one of the things about hope. Because hope requires some amount of faith, right? Hope's about the future. We don't see it yet. So we gotta believe. There's something we have to believe. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, these three now remain. There's faith, there's hope, and there's love. So why, why are we talking about faith and hope? Because hope is always about that promise that someone has made. And so some of, that, some of that hope comes in believing that a promise has been made that can be kept and that the one who made it will keep it, right? So there's faith involved in this hope. 
So one of the first questions that we have to ask ourselves as we go into Christmas and say, is this a time of hope for me? Is it, do I believe? Do I believe the message, the story about the God who this, this message is about, about this, this, that this story is about, the message that the God of the universe, the God who, there's a God that created all of this and that he actually loves me, that he actually has been pursuing me, that he actually has been desiring for this greater, this better thing for me. Do I believe that? Do I believe that when you and when I found ourselves in this mess that we couldn't get ourselves out of, that somehow God in his own power, that he acted, he stood up, he rose up, that he rose up in order to get us out of this mess. And, and not, just, not just to provide a hope in the individual details. So, so not just to provide us with what I hope for in Christmas, right? That's not the God of hope that we're talking about. He's the God that instead he said, no, I, I came to provide you with all the resources of heaven so that your whole life would be changed. That uh, not, not just the God that we hope will provide us maybe with a little bit more financially to help us out of this kind of this economic crisis that we find ourselves in individually, right? No, he's the God that said, no, I, I come to turn the economic system on its head so that instead of becoming an economy of scarcity and of, of kind of scrapping for everything, that this becomes my economy of my kingdom of provision and of abundance and of supply. Not the God who, not just to bring a little bit of more health to us in our present physical crisis, but instead he says, no, I'm the God who brings completely new life and who takes death and sickness out of the picture. That's who we hope in. Not just the God who gives us a few more hits on our social media or, or connects us with a few more people so that we feel maybe a little bit more relevant, a little bit more connected, a little bit more socially, less socially anxious. But instead he says, no, I, I wanna connect you with this living community that I have known from the beginning, from before time began, for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I wanna bring you into that, this community called the body of Christ, the community called the kingdom of God. God, he's not, he's not the God of hope for sometimes the, the little things that we chase after, but for the big things, the light that just dispels all the darkness. It's the God of hope. Do we believe that? Do we believe that he came to rescue us out of the brokenness of this whole system, right out of the brokenness of this world, with whether it's his politics or its violence or its, its inequities, with, he came to rescue us from ourselves, with our sins and our brokenness and our lies and our deceit and our blindness. He came to rescue us from the spiritual powers and principalities. It says, come only to kill, steal, and destroy. So the question is, are we willing to believe? Are we willing to believe that there was a promise, <laughs> a promise that God fully intended to do and was made by the God who fully intended to do it? Because that's where hope comes from. And hope always demands faith. But then hope doesn't stop there, right? So the one question is, do I believe? Because if I, if, I, if I can't believe, I'm not gonna find this hope. Hope is about that promise and about that promiser. So do I believe that this God has made this promise? But then it doesn't stop there because 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it goes on. It says, these three remain, 
faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So hope demands faith because it's always about the promise. It's always about that which is unseen. But faith, hope also demands this response on our part of love. Because if we believe that this is the God who is making all things new, we believe that this is where all things are headed. We believe that this is the new world that this God is bringing in. That this God showed up as a baby and they lived among us. This is the God who he, did, he grew up to be a man who then laid down his life to do the things that we couldn't do, to win that victory that we couldn't win. And he did this to bring us into this victory that he had intended for us in order to set us free to the life that he intended us for. Then we should be living into that life that we believe he has bought us. He says, you know what? That life is a life of love. That life is a life of reflecting the very love that we saw that God show to us. That means living this life of love where we have love towards even our enemies, right? It's a love that sometimes costs us something, like it costs Jesus something. Not to that extent ever, right? We never pay that kind of price. But he does say sometimes love will cost us. It's a love that seeks to bring out out the best in others instead of just bring out the best for ourselves. It's a love that forgives. It's a love that serves. It's a love that keeps on loving even in the face of that daunting kind of darkness that comes about because of the brokenness of this world. The wave after wave of the brokenness of this world keeps coming, and this is a love that says, because of hope, I continue to choose to love. Continue to choose to point people towards this light, this light that I've found, this light that God provided. And where do we see this great salvation, this faith, this hope, this love emerging? But it's when that baby was born, right? When God first stepped into this world and said, you know what, I'm gonna bring about a different reality for and in and through my people. So faith. Do we believe? Do we believe that? Hope. Do we confidently hang on to the knowledge that something better is on its way and love? And does that cause us to live really, really differently in a way that makes this story known, makes this story known to people who don't know it yet? Amen? Amen.